Hello everybody, thanks for watching and thanks for joining me today. My name is Matt Taylor and we are on the NHS 100k podcast with Right Said Fred. Welcome to the show, boys. Hi, morning. how are you? Morning. I'm good, I'm good, yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much for joining me today. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. So, I don't really need to give you much of an introduction because unless you've been living under a rock for the last 30 years, you know, we should all know about Right Said Fred. But if yeah. you don't, then obviously these guys have had... Ooh, let me see. So you had number one in over 70 countries with I'm Too Sexy, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yes. You, uh, you were the first band to get a number one debut single um, after the Beatles, if I'm right, I think. That's in America, right. yeah. In, in America, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in America. And you've had nine studio albums and your career spans about 30 years. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. That's I about think, right. Where are we now? Uh, yeah, 31 years this July, I think. Yes. Yes, I'm sure it blends all into one, right? Yeah, so um, I've got a little bit of a, um, a claim to fame, not to you guys, but I used to work in the entertainment industry um, with a company called Area 51 where we used to do um, crowd performing, circus stuff, tumbling, oh, okay. fly breathing and all that kind of stuff. So I've done a lot of work with um, professional people, I should say, uh, at, at festivals and, and recording videos. So I've got a little bit of an insight of how toxic certain entertainment industries and music industries can be. Yes, they are very toxic, yeah. Yeah, so I've watched a few of your, of your interviews that you've done with other people, and I wanted to kind of delve into that a little bit more because I think it's important for people to realise the moulding of, of probably what's happened to you guys to get you to the point right. today where you speak out like you do. Yes. Which, yeah, we, so if you we, could... No, first, The first question I want to ask you, because I've got to get it off my chest, is what was the inspiration for I'm Too Sexy? I mean, were you literally okay. standing there in front of the mirror... Same right, well, okay, well, I'll do, do, do a quick rundown. What, what happened was, is that uh, Right Said Fred was started with Rich and I in 1988. We got bored with the acoustic thing we were, we were doing. And so we wanted to hook up with another writer. We met Rob Manzoli. Our agreement with Rob is, you don't play any of your old ideas. We won't play any of ours. Let's just have a, a, a blank canvas a, you know, um, and just see what we can come up with. And uh, we came up with a song called Heaven that had this bass line which was ba 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 which is which actually is the top line of up to sexy so we were in the studio uh it was just going round and round on a computer loop and then richard and it was a hot day we we're in a basement uh this is going back to 1990 september october in east acton yeah and um rich um i think you've been having a split or something might, i might mm. Most probably because Rob, Rob liked to split. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not a big fan of split. But anyway, um, and um, Richard went, uh, basically stood up in, in the, the guy's bedroom because he had one of those old Victorian mirrors with the uh, uh, Victorian wardrobes with the mirror uh, embedded in. And he took off his shirt and sung, I'm too sexy for like, my shirt. I could still hear the loop. Because he could still hear the bass line. So he yeah. came back in and sung it to us. And Rob just couldn't stop laughing. I, it took me, a, I, I was a bit slow out the gate, I'll be honest. Um, and I couldn't make out what was going on. And then bit by bit, I thought, oh, okay, I, I, I get this now. So, because it was a, such a shift from where we were going. And then we worked on it um, for a while. Yeah, for a few, couple, two or three months where we could raise the money. It was mastered and ready to go about March, uh, February, March um, to, no, <laughs> 1991. No record company would touch it. No. And, thank, and, and most and thankfully, and most DJs wouldn't touch it. Most DJs wouldn't, wouldn't touch it, but we were very thankful to Gary Crowley and Simon Bates, yep. who took a leap of faith. They both played it on their shows, 
and it, particularly Simon Bates show because that was a daytime uh, breakfast show, I think. Uh, and the, the phones at Radio One went mad, and it just and it, and it wouldn't stop. It just the record just was the record was was like a, a runaway horse. It just went mad, and it confused us. It confused the record company. It confused our manager. Nobody really knew what they were doing. It was just you were just reactive as opposed to pre- yeah, pre- exactly, reactive. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so yeah, that that that, that, that was it really. Yeah. It, so we weren't signed. We had no record deal. And there was no push. There was no, no. promo budget or, or anything. I, no. think our first, I think the first video cost about eight grand or something. Oh, not even. Not even. No, I no. can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and we wore all our own clothes. We had no stuff. Yeah. yeah. So when you look at the video, all the rubbishy clothes we're wearing are all our own stuff. Yeah, because we, we were into the fetish scene a bit. You know, you know. We, we used to go to fetish stuff in London occasionally. Not fetish. Sort of PVC rubber clubs like Skin 2. So we had a bit of that stuff. Uh, you know, hang, hanging around, and that, that's why it's in the video because that's all we had, really. Um, and some of our gym gear, so that was that, yeah. you know. Yeah, that was I, mean, I remember I'm showing my age now, and I'm sorry if I make you guys feel um even younger than you are, but I remember buying my mum the album, um, the first album with, yeah. uh, with I'm Too Sexy on it, and I, I was 12 at the time, I think, when okay. it came out. And I, I love the tune, I love the tune, but I remember even at that young age, the the, the gay stigma that was attached to you guys straight yeah, yeah. from the um, And not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but I remember in the 90s, the noughties, even though it was said to be the noughties, they weren't, they weren't very naughty, were they? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't naughty at all. No. No, exactly. So they were still quite uh, prim and proper. So, but, um, so I know you touched on the, no record label would touch it. Is it, is it because of yeah. the, the stigma surrounding the tune rather than the tune and the lyrics itself? It was, it was um, yeah, the, the record label was touchy because Richard had a boyfriend uh, and they, they yeah, would go, yeah. you know, yeah, they would go out together yeah. in public. Um, quite, our, quite racy we were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a bit of everything. Yeah, we, without, we didn't realise how big we were physically at the time when we, until we turned up top of the pops. We suddenly, because we didn't, we didn't hang around with musicians. We were hang around in gyms and we did do shows but we would go on do our little show and walk off we wouldn't hang around in that sort of um green room backstage thing uh, we didn't have um i suppose we had some musician mates not many also the gay thing was something that our record company also just assumed would be a positive yes so initially we were booked into loads and loads of uh, gay clubs and i remember doing one we did a gay club in blackpool i think and Pink it was flamingos by any chance sorry Pink flamingos by any chance? Might have been actually. Do you know, no, it was a big, big gate. It had, um, sorry to interject, it had like the multicolored stairs. It went around the corner that um, was something out of like Saturday Night Fever, and it had like a, a oh, yeah. line up dance floor and stuff as well. No, I can't remember. All I remember is all these gay guys just stood watching because I basically, basically they thought that we were a couple of straight blokes taking the mic. Yes. Yeah. So after that one date, which was a disaster, all the gay, all the gay stuff was pulled. Yeah. Um, our record company still laboured under the impression, I think, for a long time that our, and people still do, that our, um, our fan base is essentially gay. And it never has been. I've, I no. think in, in, in my entire professional life, I've had about three gay fan letters, probably three, four, something like that. It's, it's families, mums and dads. Kids, yeah, very much so. Yeah. You know, um, and we were really happy with that. I didn't want to be um, matter, yeah. located into this kind of you know, slightly, you know, a, a specific group. I, I just, I like, and when, in fact, when Dippy Dippy came out, that's what took us into a whole new yes market. Because the demographic. Mums and dads got yeah. into it. And, you yeah. know, it, it was a very different thing then. Um, and we've never been, I've never been invited to any of these HIV fundraisers. I've never no. been 
you know, I've just, I just, when I was with Stuart, he died sadly 12, about uh, 12 years ago. But uh, when we were together um, and the band broke, I, we, we've never been invited, never. No. I was with Stuart for 28 years. He was positive for 27 of those years. And, um, and I've never been invited to anything. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we've, um, I think it's partly. They've obviously got the memo. Yeah, I, I think it's partly how we've lived our lives within the music industry. We're always yeah. on the margins. Yeah. And even when, even when um, in 90, when was it, 91 uh, or 92, really, actually, I suppose, with the Brits, you know, it was, it was clear that Up and I'm Too Sexy were the runaway hits of the year, and particularly globally. Um, and the Brits wouldn't just wouldn't entertain it because we weren't on a major re record label. So, you know, and the uh, same with the Mercury's. In fact, a judge from the Mercury, from the Mercury Awards came up and apologized to us actually only about five years ago. He came up and said, you guys should have, should have got absolutely everything that was on offer. Mm -hmm. and, and, and basically we just didn't fit in. We didn't fit in no, exactly. image wise. We didn't fit in because we were with an independent label and we didn't fit in because the music was was um, seem, seem, people thought it was different. Yeah. Um, so we've, and we've always lived our entire professional, professional careers in the, in the margins, which is why you know we get a lot of a, we get a, you know going on to where we are now with the pandemic. We got a, we get a lot of net negativity from the you know, from the Daily Mail and the, the mirrors and you know, the usual the usual suspects who get who seem to manage to get nearly everything wrong. Apart, a lot know. of it is just down to lack of research. Yeah, it you is. Know, yeah, they, yeah. Described as anti-vaxxers, which we aren't. We, we're described as hoaxes, which we're not. Yeah, but the, the Mail Online. We're described as a boy band, which the, we're yep, not. The, the, the Mail Online today described us as, 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 as rights of Fred uh, a boy band. <laughs> I mean, old, we grumpy old. Boys. We weren't boys when no, we broke. No, grumpy old. <laughs> grumpy old bloke band. Take that as a compliment. Put it in your pocket. Keep it. You know, that's, that's what I would, you know. What's but, that? I said, take that as a compliment if they feel associated with well, well, you. If they want to, I think it's just the ignorance to be honest with you. But, no, um, no, 100%. 100%. You definitely. have to take these things and, and make, make them positives, you know? Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah but just, uh, 30 years down the line, if they're still, uh, you know, putting you in the pigeonhole of boy bands, then, you know, it's. it's yeah, for us, you know. it's just more for productive back. I really, oh, really don't care. Yeah, we've had, a lot, we've had a lot of this stuff for many years. Yeah. So well, we're, yeah. we're fairly used to it. I mean, occasionally it catches you, when, when, when which was in hospital and the vitriol that we received. And the, and and the and the and the and the lies basically that did that did surprise me because we had no one saying oh, is he okay uh, how's he doing how's his health and all that <laughs> they weren't even interested in why I was in hospital they just assumed he's he's got COVID and he's been taken to the hospital which just wasn't you, true I, apparently I was wasn't heard, true I was heard squealing give me the vaccine give me the vaccine <laughs> what I thought was interesting about that was the word squealing yeah I was going to say you don't describe me as someone who squeal <laughs> much to be honest with you squealer. <laughs> No, I, was, no. I was in the Wexham, Wexham Park, and having said that, the nurses who looked after me, the actual frontline care, I know the NHS gets lots of slagging off, and I have my problems with the NHS, um, but the frontline care that I got was really professional um, and really, really good. I have no, absolutely no complaints at all. I'm sure if you work with the NHS, if you're a frontline staffer, what you're aware of is that it's a management at the top that needs looking at and not the people at the front line. Yeah, that's, I think, yeah, that's my yeah, yeah. 100%. And I think this this kind of goes nicely into. So I just wanted to because I realised I didn't pimp you out very much. Obviously, we can find you at www.rightsaidfred.com, uh, which is your website. Um, yep. and obviously, at the Freds on Twitter and Getter, we've got the banners flying up for you guys as well. Yep. And you also have got a new record that came out on the seventeenth called Godsend. Is that right as well? Yes, yes, a new track called Godsend. That's yeah. right. Yes, available. Which is, which is, which is getting a good reaction, actually. It, it is. Yeah, our, our tracks always a really slow build, so 
We know sexy did that. Yeah, it was sexy. It was slow. Like pulling um, teeth. And, uh, and initially, I suppose it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so we 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 uh, for us to be honest with you, um, a hit song for us is the song getting used. If the song gets used in a car commercial, uh, a bank ad, or or in a movie, video game, that for us makes it a hit record. Being in the charts is not what for us is not the criteria. The only thing I'd say hit. is that. When you're younger, it doesn't matter if a single takes a long time to break. When you get older, you suddenly think <laughs> you run out of time. Yeah, you need that money. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Exactly. So, um, so okay, so you you were both working in the, in a gym where you both before this started happening, obviously, or was yeah, we'd had lots of jobs. Um, yeah. Sorry, restaurants. Fred was working in a pub, doing the cleaning the loo, cleaning pubs, um, working. Both worked in a, in a in a in a in the gym. Yeah. Um, so we did absolutely. I was a fire extinguisher salesman. I did lots of night working clubs. Every, every, every. Um, so yeah, a, a bit, when the when the song broke, uh, we it, we were primarily working. Richard was managing the gym, and I was a personal trainer. Yeah. Um, and that was in Putney. Um, so that's what we were doing at the moment. The song broke. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, sorry. So, how long were you in? In so was right said Fred just of the pair of you initially with with a couple of band members at the time, and you tinkering about before, or did you have some other gigs? Going no, on no. Our first gig was upstairs. Uh, no, our first gig was actually at the Women's Institute when we were kids. That <laughs> we won't even talk about that. Um, but in terms of the band and the and the name and everything else, we started in the, in the late seventies. Not right, Sir Fred. No, not right, no, Sir Fred. Under no. other names. In terms of, so we were on the circuit for a long time. Yeah. Um, and we did tours with uh, Suicide and um, Joy, and, and Joy, Joy Division and yeah, that kind sure, of stuff. Sure. You know. Yeah. Nice. So we, uh, it, it was a long burn for us. It was a long, very story. slow. It was very slow. We're pretty stubborn people. But we're stu yeah, we yeah. are. We, just won't, we will not stop. And we've had, uh, we've, but also I won't go into any details. But we've had a bit of an altercation recently with some people we're working with, with regards to our position. And uh, I just said we won't stop saying what we think. We yeah. just won't. And we get cancelled a lot. Yeah, a lot. I just, I, I, you, you know, know, when I grew up. I thought I lived in a country that welcomed people having a view, that welcomed people having an opinion, and, yeah. and the, the expressing that opinion was fine. Um, but we have, we have transmogrified into a country where you cannot do that now no. without paying severe penalties. It's quite depressing. You can have an opinion as long as it's their opinion. That's oh, yeah. it. Yes. That's you know, do what we do yeah. and say what we think. Yeah. Say, say what we mm. think as we think. Yeah. Or, or shut up. Also, particularly, I think the music yeah. industry and the entertainment industry has shown itself to be so compliant and gullible and just will do whatever the narrative tells it to do. It's, uh, it's, it's, I'm surprised to be honest with you. I think it's very, very disappointing at the compliance and the, and the silence, the yeah. silence but from musicians. We haven't had a, well, not a single, but yeah, for most of the musicians we've known for 30, 40 years now, we've not had even a text no. saying, don't agree with you, but good luck to more power to you or, you know, thanks for speaking out. Um, very, very few. That's all come from... Uh, it's people in the street. Yeah, I mean, people in the street are really nice. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of messages from people in jobs who can't speak out. So you get people from banks or hospital or healthcare or something saying, you know, I just can't speak out because I've got a family, I've got this or that. Uh, but, but thank you. So we get quite a lot of those. Mm. Um, and the, the hate online has, has, has calmed down. It, it was a sort of a... Hit a peak last July, 
um, September, all around Richard's accident uh, and going to hospital. Uh, the Daily Mail had a feast, you know, feasting day. Um, and then it's now calm, it's, it's calmed down a bit. And some of that's been done for us by the stupidity of uh, Number 10 and you know, Partygate and, you know, showing itself, showing themselves to be like, you know, liars and incompetent and, you know, negligent. You know. I think we're entering into a very weird place in politics and cultural uh, um, realities in the UK. As I saw an interview this morning with a Tory MP standing in the lobby at the House of Commons, and he was questioned by the interviewer, and they said, um, do you still support a prime minister who's been found to be guilty of, of, of a crime? Because he's being, supposed to be fine. Mm. And this guy said, oh, absolutely. He's done some very good thing. I'm fully behind the prime minister. So what, I'm not a major fan of Margaret Thatcher, but one thing she said is true. If the people at the top break the law because it's inconvenient to them, don't expect people below not to do the same thing. Yeah. And it breeds, it breeds a, a culture of, um, of disloyalty to the law and to each other. Yeah. I think it's really dangerous. I, I think we've, we've, we've got in the House of Commons, both in the op opposition and in, and in well, actually more obviously in the, in the government, a class of people who believe that the law doesn't really apply to them. It yeah. Really doesn't really, it's all for us. Yeah, and I think that applies to, to lots of mainstream media, um, TV and radio presenters. I think, you know, when you look at their position, they haven't had to lose a day's work. In fact, their work has probably, probably been busier. And yet they feel very comfortable in telling people what to do and and creating division, creating distrust. Um, I, I think I think when you look at some of them, particularly the Jeremy, Jeremy Vines of this world, I think they're, 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 they're an absolute disgrace and um, should be held accountable at some point. You know, the thing, I think the thing is, is that one of the things I think is interesting, I saw a, a broadcast from uh, about Trump, um, a Trump uh, rally, and uh, it was soon after he came out of his hydro hydrochloroquine thing. And, yeah. Yeah. and he said, I've just had the hydrochloroquine jab, something like that. And the backs, the backs, yeah. yeah. And uh, the crowd booed. They all booed, and because um, they were all obviously anti-vax, blah blah blah. And um, he said, "No, no, 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 no. Hold on. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just telling you that I've done it. You could make your own decision. That has always been our, yeah, our position. It's always our position. It's always yeah, our. Position. Yeah. I think it's unwise. But if you go, if you want to do it, do it. Um, and it's it's. We've never ever ever wagged the finger and said to people, you must not take it. We've never done that." Yeah. Um, whereas Paul McCartney and other idiots like that have wagged a finger and said, do it. Emma Thompson, you know, one minute it's my body, my choice on the question of abortion. On the question of the jab, it's do as I say. Yeah. So, wow. you know, it, the, the inconsistency, the hypocrisy and the nonsense that's gone on has been absolutely staggering. And all our position is actually really, really simple, which is tr think for yourself and trust your own gut. Do a little bit of research. That's all it is. It's, we're not telling people what to do. We're not doing anything other than that. And I just wish newspapers would pay a little bit more attention to the right of the right to dissent and yeah. the right to have your own thoughts than just peddling the government line, which is yeah. what they all seem to do. Well, this is this has been a, a massive grievance of mine over the last few uh, few years, especially. Um, I, I have a certain sympathy for people obviously trying to digest all this medical stuff that keeps getting thrown out. You know, it's yeah. almost purposefully uh word salad and stuff so we, we can't like decipher it very well or make head nor tail of it yeah but, um i've always been annoyed because people aren't asking the right questions they're asking questions but not the right questions so you well, have to say the right things to the wrong people to get the answers that you want to hear yeah um, and it's, it's, it's with the party gate situation you touched on you know people should be asking why were they 
not afraid to gather in a group like that, have a party, go home to their family at the height of the alleged pandemic. Yes. Why were they not afraid to do that? What did they know? What were they taking? Did they yes. know it was going to be minor? You know, so, but we're not asking those questions. We're just bothered no. whether it's fine or not. So I, I think we need to now as a population, me, you, you know, all of us that, that potentially have a voice in the platform, encourage people to start asking the right questions now. Yes, the, the people, the, the, there's no, there's no uh, indication that the people in power or the people in Davos or anywhere else have any indication, in, uh, any in inclination to liberate people. That's not, what they're look, that's not what they're looking to do. They're not looking to liberate people in their thinking or their, their assessment of the, uh, of the risks involved in the jab or even crossing mm. the road. They are interested in one thing, and that is either controlling them or telling them what to think. And interesting enough, they had these, I think he's the CEO of Alibaba on, uh, on uh, giving a speech yesterday from the WEF. And he was talking about tracking the individual's um, carbon footprint. And I think the detail, the devil's in the detail in everything. It doesn't matter what you look at. If you look at the small stuff, that's where the answers lie. So he was saying, he used the word they all the time. They will be able to track their, they will be able to, not we. Or us. Or us. No. No. Same with the World Economic Forum. What's the middle word that, that tells you everything? It's economic. That's the word. It's mm. not the World Democratic Forum. It's not the the World Liberty Forum or anything else, it's the World Economic, it's all about money. Yeah. So always, always pay attention to the small stuff, always. And that's why it's important we look after bees. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're right. No, you're 100% right. This is the thing. These flippant things sometimes people have no idea about. Bees are really important, man. They really, really are important. And yeah. Language, language is everything. Yeah. Language yeah. is and it's, it's interesting. I, got, I was, yeah. um, Julie Hartley Brewer was um, having a go at me. And I, this is going back a few months, and I, I said, I've never, I don't wear masks. She said, well, maybe you're happy with breaking the law. And I, it, it was never law. It was never law to wear a mask. It's a mandate, which needs consent. And it's interesting, she was very happy to accuse me of, of spreading misinformation by spreading misinformation herself. And I think that's that's what's happened with uh, with, with mainstream as well. They, they, they're criticizing people like us or maybe you or whoever for, for, for um, spreading misinformation. And they do that by spreading misinformation. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, she had me on her show. So I was on talk radio as well when uh, when I was initially doing the, the campaigning to, to revoke the mandates. Right. Um, and um, I was surprised that she had me on and I was surprised she let me speak. But she's flip-flopped, as a lot of them have. Yeah, they have. To kind of, you know, circumnavigate to yes. get to the point where they are now. So yes. do you think, because obviously you guys, I've, I've only just spoke to you guys, you seem really salt of the earth people, which, which is amazing. And I'm so glad people will get to see this side of you because it will, I think it will help everybody much. Uh, it will just help a lot more, I think, people realising that there are people in your position that are still salt of the earth people. Yeah. But I think what I wanted to ask is, so obviously you've not been a major sort of participant of the music scene with regards to wanting to integrate and socialise with the other artists and everything else. No. Early on in this in your journey in the industry, were you aware of how toxic and, and, and things it could be, which is why you tried to keep away from it, or was it just simply down to the, the genre of music that you were doing? No, what happened to us is after um, to, after about 93, uh, we'd been front and centre for a couple of years. Um, and, and, and hands up, yeah, we both admitted it. We, we, when we, played the, the we played the game. We when the record company and the PR said jump, we said how high. We 100% we did that. Um, then, then suddenly we started doing TV shows, particularly in America, where we were talking, we, you'd speak to the 
the uh, the assistant beforehand before you went on. And it started. What started happening? They they said, "Well, uh, thanks for coming, right, right, so Fred. Now tell me, what do you do?" So, then, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I, I said, "I don't understand. We're what do you mean?" She said, "Well, well we know you're famous. You're very famous in America, but we don't know why you're here. <laughs> You've been booked because they saw you on." Arsenio Hall or MTV. So yeah. it was the celebrity thing yeah. that the broke, it was the saw that broke the camel's back for us because never interested in being a celebrity. We never- uh, we, we tried it, but we weren't very good. Yeah, we tried, we did the- We, we did, did try it. Yeah, we, we, we went out on, yeah. um, on, the, on the red carpet and, and we turned up at a few, you know, quite a few events and, and, and we just thought this is, this is crap. And, and, and we, it, it wasn't for us, so, you know, it works for some people, not for us. So it, it was in America where we just thought this is absolutely ridiculous. We are just becoming the very people that we criticize, which is famous for being famous. And so we thought, well, what are we going to do? So we, um, we kind of just started unraveling, to be honest with you. It all happened during the second album. The second album was a disaster <laughs> anyway. But but we mentally, our relationship with Rob, our, our, you know, our, 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 our relationship with our record company. Uh, I mean, can I swear on this? On this podcast? Do what you want, mate. Do what you want. Just don't get your way out. All right. Record company, record company asked for some music from our second album. So we sent them a little demo of a song called You're a Cunt. Um, <laughs> So that that gives you that gives you the the mind. They didn't get the gag. No, that gives you the mindset no, we're in. The whole yeah, the whole thing was unraveling. We we were yeah we were lucky to have made a few quid and uh, and um, recorded a couple of songs that were gonna we didn't know at the time but were gonna last a very long time and um, we were done. We we you know uh, us, the whole thing was falling apart. Our manager had a nervous breakdown. We hated our record company. They actually moved office. Our record company moved office and didn't tell us where they'd gone to. That's a big hit there, lads. That's a big hit. <laughs> That's pretty funny. We have an ASVO bracelet fixed to their ankle now. So yeah. You know, <laughs> know where they are. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so basically to answer your question, yeah, we, we, the, the, the toxic nature of the industry struck us yeah. around 93, 94. So we then set up our own label um, in 94, 95, I can't remember. And we did uh, we did what's called licensing deal where you 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 sign your label to and to other record labels. It's like a third party deal, you know. And um, and 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 immediately we we did that. We we our, our career started to crash because we weren't part of the we weren't part of the you know the mechanism. We'd stepped outside that, and and uh, apart from a few countries in Europe, uh, England dumped us like a bad fart, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. We, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we didn't <laughs> walk away. From the industry the industry walked away from us very much so yeah. yeah 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 um yeah. that happened markedly during Britpop, when everything was oasis and uh, yeah yeah um yeah. and um it, weirdly enough i mean deeply dippy was hit way before those bands and if that isn't a kinks type Britpop track i don't know what <laughs> it is so um but anyway that that during Britpop, we were we were dead meat um so we spent a lot of time working in europe and, and south um, south africa yeah. and, 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 and canada um and during the pandemic, it was the same thing. We didn't move. We we merely said what we thought. Yeah. Uh, and and that's when we found out that it was a very very dangerous thing to do professionally. So we've lost. Oh. Um, we've certainly lost two years of, of work. It's Twenty six um, months. Yeah. Yeah. We, oh. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and we were sitting in the cafe earlier, trying to tot up how much money we've lost, and it's probably getting close to a couple of million quid. Yes, a lot of money. I would think. Yeah. Um, people in the UK think we think we don't do anything. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, you're sitting around there doing nothing. You must be doing nothing. Yeah, not really um, you know. Yeah, we've been very successful. 
<laughs> yeah. We've been very successful with um, particular music for film and uh, TV commercials um, and also just general usage. And also we had a label in LA that was successful with dance remixes, a label called Primark. Um, and so people people think if you're not on TV on a Saturday afternoon, then you, you must be dead. Um, so so there's this sort of there's a there's a complete misunderstanding of of the industry by by a lot of people. It's not that it's not their business really to understand the industry. So we've we've just had to uh, we know we've been cancelled. Um, it's changing slightly. The people who refused to talk to us last year are now asking if they can talk to us. Um, some not not a lot. Um, and there are two major projects, one last week, in fact, that we got cancelled from both. Uh, and in terms of for a small band like us, it was a lot, a lot of money. And um, we've got used to that. And we're just going to have to. The thing is, we know what we're like. We could we could we could say, OK, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to we're going to we're going to play ball, which would look ridiculous anyway. But but um, it, uh, the, 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 the die is set. We are what we are. Yeah. You know, I love change. Don't ever change, lads. Don't ever change. I've spent my whole life, especially when I went to, to uni to when I was 30 to go into medicine. Before that, I was in the circus and the army. I've done loads of different things, much like you guys. And I think right. it helps develop you as a character when you've worked with normal folk and you got there. But what yeah. I know about um, once I got into the university system, then going into medicine in the NHS, I constantly felt like I got on the wrong bus. You know, I was like... <laughs> I was either like the one that was just chucked the uh, the honorary degree just because I was poor and it was easy. <laughs> I just yeah. thought, and I still feel like that now that I've got in the, I'm in the wrong job. Um, you know, I, I, we want to be able to do what we do best, but yes. there's other people, as you've said, above you that, that always just make it really difficult to do what you want to do. Yes. yes. Um, but that that so I wanted to touch on obviously you've done some bits in Portugal recently, or I think, sorry, it was in September. Looking at your website, you did some stuff out in Portugal as a project. Well, um, Maybe I think that must be someone's hacked our website. Someone's hacked our website. Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was sort of, sort of mental health mental health awareness. Oh, thing Gibraltar. Oh, I beg your pardon. Sorry, my bad. Perth uh, is my secretary's wrote it down wrong, as in me. But yeah, sorry. But uh, that's fine. Yes, we're advocates for, for for mental health. Has, uh, yes. has there been any? Um, obviously, tell me about that aspect as well. But I want you to. Has there been any? Um, approach from anybody during the pandemic or anything else that, that has approached you for, for mental health awareness promotion and all that kind of stuff as well no we were, I mean, we've been um, we've been we've had both of us have had problems with depression over the years uh, like as many people have and so mental health has always been it's one of those things that's actually at the center of your life an awful lot of the time but you just don't realize it yeah your, your mental health is is central to how you feel every day when you when you wake up how you how you how you interact with friends and neighbours, it's, it, it's, it's there with you the whole time. And interestingly enough, I, I thought about this the other day, making music is essentially about mental health because it's, it, 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 it touches on an emotion. It, whatever kind of music you listen to, it's about the way you feel, about the way you um, assess yourself and you set, assess the world beyond. It doesn't matter what kind of music it is. So we, we were very aware of the, um, of the mental health thing. And also my partner, who died 12 years ago, um, he, he his mental health issues were quite profound because he was HIV for 27 of the 28 years we were together. Yeah. So we've both been aware of it, um, from, from, you know, all, all our lives really. Um, and Fred suffers from it more than I do. Yeah, I can sort of shake it off a little bit more than Fred. But Fred can get into a real I do slough of despond, yeah. as they say, you know. Um, but it's but I think because it's invisible and because 
particularly men. I don't think men are very good. It's not about <laughs> getting, getting a bloke to talk about his prostate. It's very difficult, you know. Yeah, we're terrible at talking about men. Don't talk about yeah. No, yeah. exactly. People that men have this thing about. Oh, I don't know. It's a, it's, I always think it's a little bit like refusing to look at a map when you're lost. Yeah. I know where it is. And as you know, I'm not looking at, I don't need to look at mapping. And it's a, it's a, it's a refusal to face reality. Um, women are much better than that, at that, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm quite good at um, what I do now. Um, my, my mental health goes up and down hourly, really. Actually, it's very bizarre, particularly since the pandemic. It's quite unpredictable. And if I've got a meeting, if I'm due to see friends and, and I'm in a bad place, I'm really honest with them. I just say, I can't do it. My mental health isn't isn't good. And people, most people are very cool. We um, we didn't experience that in the early days with record companies. They they were just they were literally they'd use terms like bite the bullet, pull, pull yourself together. Um, what was the other? Um, you'll never work again. You'll never work. That was the other one. Yeah, yeah, we were told, <laughs> I, I, we were asked to do a big TV show at our record company at the time, which was Tug Records at the time. They said, if you don't do this, you'll never work again. Yeah. yeah. So that was the level of empathy you could expect back in the nineties. Yeah. 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 Well, it was. I think because my 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 father was in the in the military at the time then, and he he'd done both Gulf Wars and and, and stuff. And I remember their PTSD was the first sort of that that was the time we first started hearing the words PTSD but at the yeah. time it was just associated with sort of battlefield trauma yes. um, and it's been a very very difficult road for for soldiers and, and other folk as well to um, kind of delve deeper into what PTSD in, in, you know means and it's not just exclusive for people that are in the military it's exclusive to yeah. anyone who's had a traumatic experience so right. I think we're much, much better now at dealing with it and talking about it but it's still massively underfunded and resourced yeah. area of, of medicine is medicine I, I know like you said it's invisible but but it's so lots of other things that we have to deal with um, yes that's true underfunded and, un, and so just here's here's some antidepressants i'll leave you on them for 20 years we don't try and talk about the source of the problems you know it's it's yes. it's so i think it's important that we try and raise awareness of it and especially i know with uh, with the pandemic there's been in, increased suicides and obviously everyone's on antidepressants and things now as well because of what's happened yeah. which segues nicely into my next question I wanted to ask you guys. So when did you first, I mean, you, you sound like me that your, your bullshit detectors were pretty good anyway. So, but when did you start realising with, with the pandemic that things weren't quite, you know, what they seem, if you will? Fred was, on the, Fred was way ahead of me on this. I was oh, a bit I, slow. I, I went down, yeah, I mean, I hate to turn the rabbit hole, but I, but I use it because it, rabbit? I, I don't know. Badges, mate. Foxhole, I don't yeah, know. Added rabbits, just the holes, man. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's another. Yeah, I, 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 my interest got peaked. Yeah, exactly. My, <laughs> yeah. my interest got peaked um, by Alex Jones when he was doing the Bohemian Grove investigation around. Oh uh, yes, yeah. So I got quite interested in that, and then obviously nine eleven popped up a couple of years later. That was that was intriguing, and you know who did what and what was the motivation and. How much do we know? And so I was, I was interested in reading and listening to loads of people. Then I started listening to James Corbett and Ray McGovern and William Binney and Richie Allen and a whole whole sort of army of people. And I was just interested in this. In there was a narrative that the mainstream media were ignoring. So it wasn't a case that I believed everything these guys were saying. I was just interested that it's a, it's information I hadn't heard. 
why aren't I hearing it? So I, my interest got peaked then. So when when the um, when when the, uh, the, the the whole thing in March, around March 2020 happened, initially, to be fair, I just thought, well, maybe maybe this is a is, is what they say they is, and we're going into lockdown. So I took a breath. And I thought I'm just gonna I'm gonna do as I, I'm told uh, for a few days and see you know see what happens. And Richard, I was staying with Richard. He lives in Berkshire, so there's um, near uh, uh, the flight paths. Near stains, yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so um, yes, exactly. So the um, so we we're, we're, we're I'm staying at his and everything's in lockdown, and the planes are going over like nuts, like 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 a normal day. Planes in and out Heathrow, and we both thought, well, this is a bit of a shit lockdown. What's going on? Surely, if you're in the lockdown, you are in. Is that what meant to happen? Aren't we meant to lock down? So we drove up to um, Terminal Five. Went to arrivals, and uh, I've got the picture somewhere on my phone uh, of the of the arrivals board, and it was Beijing, Shanghai, Rome, Seoul. All these people were coming in still, and I was just thinking, well, if this, how are we meant to lock down here if these people are coming in and they're not in quarantine, they're not, and if you put just logically, irrespective of what you think of the of you think of how it was handled uh, of, of, of sorry of the um, of the actual virus itself and I just thought this there's a lack of common sense here there's a lack of logic and at that point I just thought I, 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 I already didn't believe him I don't I didn't no. believe I, for me it was the I build, can't believe Boris Johnson for me it was the build back better thing the minute I heard them all yes. talk about the build back better um five or six leaders um from in different countries all saying the same thing in the same week I thought, hold on a second, this doesn't feel right at all. That was, for me, the, the moment I started thinking something else was going on. And um, I'm, not, I'm not one for, a, I'm not, a, by nature, a conspiratorial kind of person. Um, and one of the things I always think is a bit ironic, really, people talk about conspiracy theorists. The implication is that the conspiracies only happen on one side. Well, conspiracy ha conspiracies happen on both sides. Yeah. You have to imagine that um, Jeff Bezos doesn't talk to Mark Zuckerberg and Mark Zuckerberg doesn't talk to, you know, whoever else. They're all conspiring. And what, what's going on in Davos is a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. It's, that's, it's, you know, it's just, just a different kind of conspiracy. That's all. So uh, that that was the thing for me. And also, I think because of our parents, who were both, there was conservatives with a small C, but they were cynical about the church. Very sceptical people. And sceptical about politics. Yeah. yeah. And I think we've inherited that. Yeah. And um, so I'm, when this whole Build That Better thing started, um, I thought, and particularly when I saw Hancock weeping on the TV. I, thought, oh, I, I know, right? He needed an Oscar for that, didn't he? Comedy gold. It was comedy gold, and that idiot, Morgan, just oh. bought into it. Just bought into it. Oh. Um, so it, gradually, it seemed to me to be such a circus. The inconsistencies were, were plain to see. Even yesterday, or the day before yesterday, Biden in, in, was visiting South Korea, I think, walking down the steps from Air Force One with a mask on. The minute he gets to the bottom of the stairs to shake the hands of the dignitary, he takes the mask off. That, that, that guy's walking dementia, isn't he? That's the problem. He he literally, uh, it's it's not it's not nice. I don't think what they're doing to him at the moment. No, no, no. And also, we had what, what going back to celebrities and stuff and stars. What's been a bit a bit of a wake up call for me, well for both of us, I think, is people we've really liked, artists that we thought were open minded and independent thinking and tolerant, and have actually turned into be pretty nasty people. Bullies um, and bullies. Yeah. So uh, there's an awful lot of people on my on my um uh you know the phone that you know, my sort of Spotify this that I can't listen to now. I can't listen to Bruce Springsteen. I can't. I, I wouldn't give that guy 
you know, my last five pounds, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do anything for him because right at the very beginning, he bought the narrative. He didn't encourage me to think for myself. He wasn't thinking for himself. He just bought into it completely. Yeah, what we always so, say is that we, we're old enough to remember the uh, uh, the, the HIV, which uh, pan pandemic, which is uh, yeah, forty years old as of next year, yeah. or sort of later this yeah. year, really. And um, what's interesting is if it, if those would artists have 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 sanctioned an HIV negative show only, would they? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Because if you, because because that's what that's where this is going. So, and, and I, I mentioned this on Twitter once. The guy said you're a moron because because uh, uh, it can't be spread uh, through. It's not airborne. Wrong. At the time, they thought it was. Mm. At, at the time, it was very much airborne. They were very unsure, they were very unsure and uh, we had all that fear and all that fear porn. Um, and so, the, I, I find that the segregation part of this really disturbing. People, people are willingly open to set up um, um, shows based on your on, on, on your health criteria, and I think that is a very dark place to to go. Because how far is that from you know? Yes, well, you know, no Irish, no dogs, no blacks. I mean, people will argue with that and say, "Well, it's a ridiculous comparison because this is a this is an airborne um, virus." But it's not that; it's the mindset. It's the mindset that's a, that you get used to segregating people, yeah. and I think that's what we're seeing all the time in the press now. It's trans. It's it's it, it, you know, that, that now it's now it, oh, with monkeypox. It's gay men, and it, and it might be people who eat gay meat. Monkeys, I think. You know, oh yeah, or well, it could be people who eat meat. I mean, the the, the, the division, <laughs> the constant creation of division is. I I I don't. I think that's intentional. I don't think it's by chance at all. I think it's a very dangerous thing we've got down because we. we you know, the, the level of trust that people can have now in the police, in the courts, in politics, in medicine, science, uh, you know, all the major institutions, the level of trust, the trust is absolutely essential for, for the, the machinery of society to work. Um, and in a way, and I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm against it, but the minute you see coppers with ca uh, cameras on their jackets, trust has gone. Yeah. They don't trust you and you don't trust them. Mm. It's gone. That, that, that camera is a symbol of the lack of trust. And without trust, without the... Without genuinely believing that these people are on your side and will and will tell you know speak the truth, um, so immensely it turns out every most of the scientists we hear are all compromised. Yeah, you know, um, when people say follow, you know, well, you you just, you just want to ignore the experts. When I say, well, which experts are you referring to? These people have never he ever heard of Peter McCulloch or Sunitra Gupta, or Carl Hennigan, or Robert Malone, or Mike Eden, or Dr. Tony Hinton, Tess Laurie. I mean, the list is endless. And you mm. mentioned these people, uh, to, to people I'm speaking to, you know, who, are, who are criticizing us, and they said, well, I don't know who they are. Two and a half, two years, two months into this so, madness, and they haven't even bothered to look outside the mainstream. There's a, there's a you know, mainly laugh, yes, I think it was Dr. Hinton was going to the dentist a day or two ago, and when he got to the dentist, he was told to put a mask on. You said I'm at the dentist. Yeah, looking <laughs> in my mouth, mate. You <laughs> need to look in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a there's a friend of mine said something to me very funny the other day. He said um, the punk has gone in all the celebrities that claim to be rock and roll and punk oh, and yeah. all that. You know, anti-establishment. They very quickly became very pro-establishment. Um, yes, which I think much. just shows how much people's. Uh, the persona they project outwards um, to everyone else is very, very different. And, and, yes. and, 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 and yeah. I think if you start threatening 
livelihood and um yes. they love certain celebrities love the attention that comes with with you know that industry yes threatening them with that and yes. that's all they know so they're, they're very very quickly going to fall in line yes exactly. um, but, also but, we've mentioned many, many times if you can go back to the 60s pop music and pop culture was at the center of kicking up the dust it was at the center of talking about vietnam it's the center of talking about race rights all that stuff and now the pop music industry is just this kind of supine, spineless kind of thing, which will, which will pretty much do anything as long as, it can, as long as it can get up on stage and earn a few quid. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why that is the case. There's a guy, yeah. I think his name's Brad, uh, five times August um, in America, who writes a lot of, very generous, but he writes a lot about this stuff. Mm. And he's one of the very few people actually who's actually saying stuff. Yeah, you know, and um, ironically, when it came to the war in Iraq, it was George Michael who was one of the only people in the pop business who wrote a song about it. Yeah, you know, but now pop is just this. Uh, there's a film many, many years ago, and um, pop music had become the music that you don't listen to while you're waiting for the adverts, and that, <laughs> and that's kind of where we're going if we're not careful. I think we need to be much more aggressive. Pop, pop music needs to be much more aggressive, much more self-confident and much more prepared to kick up the dust. Yeah. I think the music industry has done a very good job in kind of keeping everyone in, in, in a certain way. And then- a great you know, job. When yeah. you start looking down the, um, the Michael Jackson rabbit holes and the, 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 the attacks he was getting from these larger organizations, yes. when you look into that a little bit more, which I suggest people do, the reason Michael Jackson had so much issues and, and problems was because he wouldn't conform. With, yeah. with with the overall sort of narrative that they wanted into because yeah. he was so powerful and had such an influence they wanted to try and control it and he didn't want to do that so the only way they could de get in them was was to smear his name now there will be people out there that, that say yes he did and no he did no one really knows at the end of no, the day but um i i don't believe he did if i'm honest with you um but, you know it is what it is but if you look there's there's some really good documentaries out that um go into the background of of the uh, the problems he was having with the the um record companies uh, yeah. and everything else and just people just being around him that were just there to use him and suck him dry with all his money and, uh, and unfortunately when you're in that position you do attract a lot of bad people yes you do um so obviously you told us what, what got you into it and everything else um and, and and how you started you know piecing things together did you ever expect to be such a kind of I suppose activists, if you will, no, in this, this kind of situation. Never thought about it. I like lying on the sofa. I don't feel like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we um yeah. we went to uh, Richard went to a protest early twenty twenty, and I was in I was in Spain at the time, and I came over. We did we had some work, and um, then he mentioned this other protest. So I said, I'll come. I'm interested. And we we have done protests before, not many. We did we did Bilderberg and uh, we did a Liberty March in um, a protest in in Mos Moscow. And yeah, we've done a little bit, but not a lot. And um, so we just said, let's go and have a look. So literally, when we turned up at in Trafalgar Square, we kept ourselves round on the perimeter. We we, we there was a, all people round by the fountain. We thought, let's just watch. And suddenly we got photographed and people were coming up and uh, and they wanted to know why we were there. We just said, well, we're curious and everything. And I made, <laughs> I took a few photos and, um, <coughs> excuse me, and I put them on Twitter the next day saying, popped into Trafalgar Square, quite a nice vibe, you know, people just free speech, people saying, you know, people saying what they want to say. And Piers Morgan lost his, his lost whatever's left of his, his mind, you know. He just went 
off on one, and then there was a few others that just couldn't couldn't contain couldn't contain themselves. And and I, at that point, I just thought, "What is this? This is uh, this is madness." And I've, I've just popped to a, a protest. Haven't said, "Isn't this great? The virus is a lie." And I didn't say anything because I don't think the virus is a lie. We aren't anti-vax or we aren't COVID deniers. And um, so we're there out of curiosity, but you can't do that. You can't be curious. You're not allowed to be curious. Um, and so then that's when the hate started and the usual, you know, the usual bad actors, the usual suspects started lining up to have a go. You know, same old tabloids, same old journalists, and the, and, and the same with the TV presenters, actually, you know. Um, and so we, we suddenly realized, oh, we, okay, we've, 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 put a, we've, put a, we've put a target on our backs without really knowing it and without intending to. Yeah. And it makes you laugh when people say, yeah, you've only done it to stay relevant. You've only, you, you, you've only done it to be the, man, we have lost so much money. Yeah, I don't care about being relevant. I want to be paid. I want to be paid. <laughs> and, exactly. um, and, and yeah, and uh, and which is right. We, we you know, people don't realise it, but we, we generally have a pretty good living, and we've lost lost a lot of money. And it's because we've been cancelled. So, but we know what we like. We are. We won't shut up because we're uh, because we can't. Well, the weird thing is, as I mentioned this earlier, which is that, and I think so many people in the, in the press and, and TV are forgetting these, and, and sadly politicians are forgetting this fundamental thing. We live in an open democratic society. That's where we live. Yeah, and we, we did. That, we did. And we are forgetting those fundamental principles far too easily. And just because somebody, you know, that's the old, I think, I don't know which philosopher said it, but I disagree with you, but I will defend to the end your right to say it. It's that. It is, yeah. And you have to stick to that. Otherwise, you'll end up in Beijing or in, some, or, or in Ottawa or some ghastly yeah. place. You know? Yes. You have, to, you have to say what you think. And hold the politicians to account. Accountability is absolutely everything. There's a lady, uh, MEP, stands up in Brussels on a regular basis, and she understands. Yes, I know the one you mean. Going on with the treaty in uh, this, uh, in, in the WHO, and we are incredibly stupid. In, and 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 it's like like you know somebody many years ago said like we're building our own funeral pyre if we don't fully understand what is going on here. It's it, it you have to join the dots, and even if you think that the vaccine is a great thing and it doesn't have any serious side effects. And blood. Even if you believe all that, you have to believe in the right of people to say, I don't agree. Yeah. You have to believe yeah. in that. Otherwise, you're lost. Mm. And, and democratic accountability is lost. Yeah, well, when, when Jeremy Vine last year was uh, yeah. was popping out the no 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 jab, no job for NHS workers, I mean, yeah. that, is, that is that coercion and bullying is partly disgusting it takes you back to other times reds under the bed or you know or even um, the uh, persecution of certain groups of people that it's it is a persecution yeah. because because you're making a decision it's bizarre it is absolutely dis and I think disgusting I think rhetoric for tourists I've read somewhere I think when tourists were, were arrived at uh, some of the concentration camps in Germany this one was particularly Auschwitz people who weren't vaccinated had to wear a, a yellow um wristband Really? Yeah. Oh, God. That's, that's true. It's, it's like, just in case we'd forgotten what was going yeah. on here, just went yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. That, I, 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 that's going back a long, long time. But, um, but the, yeah, we got into a very strange place where, you know, where, where it, it seemed to be acceptable to say to people, you can't work unless you take this medicine. Yeah. So well, I, actually had, I actually had a conversation. Well, I was unfortunate. The, the, I had an email from my employer which initially sparked me off to try and start shouting about it. And I had one of the meetings to say if I didn't have it uh, by this date, then I'd lose my job. And I still haven't had it and I've never given it to anybody either. Right. Um, but 
I went in there. Obviously, I was already on the height of campaigning and, and fighting against it and speaking out as much as I could then. But I, I had three questions that I wanted to ask them, which is who was liable in case anything happens to me? How many people have actually died from it, from taking it? And do you know about the yellow card reporting scheme? Um, and they didn't know about two of them. And they told me I would be liable if anything happened. And, and at that point, I kind of lost it. And they, I don't think they were expecting um, me to be the way I was about it. But I had a friend come in as a witness um and say how can two non-clinical people tell me that my clinical decision that i'm making based on everything else is wrong uh, to the point where you guys are going to suspend me for it or you know dismiss me right no it's fine for me to work i've worked two years at the beginning inadequate ppe reusing ppe no vaccine going home to my family you know and and, and now as of first of april i will now all of a sudden be a risk yes and, yes and now seeing the, the the effects that it's happened because they did it to the carers Yes, uh, and now with sixty thousand carers shy, which when you take certain cogs out of the machine of, of the NHS, it doesn't work. And we're no. seeing that now with, with with no one being able to get hospital point, you know, I don't need to explain it to everyone. But so, but, but what 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 shocked me is the level of compliance um, from these people, but but the actual with no information there to back up the the the, the, the demands that they were trying to get from people, which I, I thought you can't you can't do that. And I was never, as, as you guys have previously mentioned, it was I was never anti-vax, and I'm not anti-vax, but it was yeah. the choice. You must remain, you must have the choice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like like you've said before with, with the whole China thing, they dictated how many children you could have, right? So if we start losing the right to decide what we put in our body, they can decide what we take out of our bodies and what we put in it yeah. uh, forward. But people lack the, the foresight to see where it can lead. Um, but... I mean, I'm, I'm glad you guys have jumped on board because there has been a little bit of, of, of a sparse environment with celebrities jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, I know. Um, but I think because you guys have been almost self-made um, from, from your own experiences, yeah. you're not in that industry, so there's nothing they can take away. But we've touched on it briefly, but I wanted to go into it a little bit more. So what actual sort of, um, could you go into a little bit more detail of, of any kind of negative impacts that it's had from you guys speaking? Obviously, you've lost work, but has there been any specific incidences that stick out to you the most where you're like, you're a massive douchebag, man? Well, we, yeah, we, had, well, we haven't had much. People don't come up and disagree with us in the street. They do it on Twitter. Yeah. We've got a neighbour who closes her door every time she sees us coming. If, she, if, she, if, she, <laughs> if she's in the garden, if she's in the garden. Uh, she um, she closes the she she walks off and closes the door behind her. She won't she won't engage. You with might us. be too sexy for her though. That's the other thing, you know. Right? You, you might just be too sexy for her as well. That's yeah, well, I don't know about I that. Get it in. Had to get it in. I, I don't know about these days. Most people, in all, in all fairness, we do get. Um, we've never had anyone come up and say, "I think you guys were disgrace." We get a few looks from people occasionally, but every, anyone who comes to talk to us is nice. Um, that's that's just been our experience. We've had a few threats uh, online uh, and at the, at the protests. Um, and our thing, a bit like when uh, James Whale was saying we were, didn't have the guts to go on his show. And, you know, you, know, we you do, need guts to listen to his show. Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, I'd be, <laughs> I'd, I'd be sick of listening to his show. Uh, but, yeah, we, you know, we, we know from doing other shows, they just they just used the mute button to take you out of the conversation. So I said, well, come, let's do a face-to-face. -face. You and your ugly girlfriend or whatever that thing is called ash next to you um you you two come down to the gym or somewhere we do it face to face so let's see how this goes for you and nothing wouldn't reply nothing so that it shows you that without the mainstream cog they're not really they're not, not they're, they're, they're not really strong people no. this, um this, this vitriol yeah that's come out of the provax camp uh, so so much um i think started during the brexit thing I yes. Think during the Brexit thing, which was which again was all about division, 
which is which again was all about hating the person over there because they think something different to you we had that sense of division in that it was it was, it was not uh, that sense of division nobody within the house as i remember tried to bridge that gap it was all very very confrontational yeah. um and i think it's bled that attitude has bled into 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 this and my my whole thing this i i think what i think about this you know, people talk about following the science what i said the other day on twitter i still think it's true i'm wondering whether following the science is actually just is actually a, uh, a what's um, a kind of a distraction i think following the science is probably not what we should be doing what we should be doing is following our gut and following our our historical realities which is that whatever the science says whatever the science says we are a democratic country and we demand democratic accountability in every single at every single possible opportunity so for non-scientific people like us to go down the scientific route is a mistake it's what you said we earlier. and we don't do that you know you know you need to be an expert you've got to be peter mccullough to understand any of this really to really understand or robert malone or somebody so if you're not a scientific person you're making a mistake by trying to understand it you need to go back to first principles and first principles are as you said matt if you're going to have a, a, a novel experimental medical therapy be told what it is be told what the possible side you know side effects are be fully informed and have it administered by somebody who knows what they're doing and we were talking to a doctor the other day and uh, he was saying that, that, that some laid off ba staff are the people who are being hired who were yes. to jab people they don't know how to do it they don't know where to put it they don't know apparently giving somebody an injection is actually quite a it's something you need to know how to do you can't just do it you do yeah, yeah. It's the word jab, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it, it, it takes it, jab's it, arm. You know, yeah. Jab, oh just, God, jab's it, arm. It was very. It's, it's, it's so childish. Yeah. And so yeah, I think for, for non-scientific people, you're better off looking at the politics of it rather than trying to understand the science and the human of it. rights of it. And the human rights of it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think whenever the government say that they're doing anything for our best health or best interest, it's it's that that should set your alarm bells ringing anyway. Run for the hills. Yeah. Run for, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> It was a long, many years ago, he was a waiter, and he said, "There's nothing more dangerous than a politician with an idea." <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, I think, I think when people first saw the the voting, um, when they voted to extend the emergency use authorization for the first, uh, for the step, when they initially implemented it, and then they did the, the first vote to extend it for a further six months. Yeah. When we saw the votes of it, I think it was like 574, and, and literally about 50 against. That should have been alarm bells for everybody that, that yes. the whole government is on that side. Yes. Uh, and we are fighting a big losing battle here if we want to try and get anything um, opposite of what they're voting for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's for me, because when it first started, I mean, I'm quite new to the awoke sort of thing, um, mainly because it just never really affected me. But so at the beginning, I was still, I was going into care homes where it was rife with COVID. I was coming home, taking off my clothes outside, and I was fully immersed into, into it. But I just kind of took it all with my straw. But a friend of mine sent me, um, uh, ironically, she sent me some stuff on Facebook, like some videos and documentaries just about the, the, the stuff that you see when you go rabbit hole. And it just sparked my uh, my interest, like you said, um, Fred, as well. And, and it's good because you can still have an interest in this stuff, but not out there going, right, now I believe that the earth is flat. And yeah, that's no, no. I think they've done a very good job in in also you, you look at that stuff so therefore you you think this and it's like no no i can think for myself but yes. i can look at both sides and make make a choice yes. um, but i think once i started looking into things and obviously i had friends in different places my my granddad unfortunately died in the april and his circumstances of going into hospital and dying 
matched everything that people were saying. They also put COVID on the certificate. And, you know, it started, I'm not stupid. And, and then I started looking into more stuff, asking my friends who are doctors. And I had fingers in many pies I could get information back from. And, and it just didn't add up. No. Um, but, so my wife obviously didn't believe me for about a year. So we lived together for, for a year with her not really being on board with what was going on. But when she finally kind of got to the point we're at now, thankfully, God love her, um, you know, we have great talks and everything else. But she said the problem she had was, was it was so sort of fearful, you know, expecting that the government would or may be looking to do something like that intentionally. Yes. Just couldn't get her head around it. So... No. So, Fred, obviously, someone like yourself that the city have obviously suffered with mental health up and down over the years and everything else, I bet that must have been horrendous to try and fathom and get your head around. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think being uh, – we were talking to Sonia Poulton the other day. And she, and she she's said, yeah, she's great. And she said, you guys take a, a daily pummeling. How do you stand it? And well, two things. First of all – Don't get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> a nice glass of wine helps. Nice that, yeah. Yeah. But one thing people don't realise is that we've been on the road a long time. And when you've been held at gunpoint in Lithuania, beaten up by neo-Nazis in, in Moscow and all this, and we, yeah, we've had some heavy stuff done, you know, done to us uh, uh, physically and, and online. When you have that sort of confrontation, a bit of aggro from the Daily Mail or some clown like, you know, um, uh, um, Piers Morgan or... Also, James Whale, um, Nick Ferrari. These people are, yeah, they they aren't a threat, and they and they. I think if we hadn't had that upbringing, maybe we would feel threatened. In terms of my in terms of my mental health, I do have to I, I do have to protect myself. That's why I, I never I, I rarely do anything on social media after about seven because if I get too much negativity before I go to sleep, I, I, I don't sleep, um, and and also I don't. I, I post quite a lot, but I don't necessarily answer. I don't get into big debates because quite often it's a complete and utter waste of, of, of human life to to do yeah. that because they already hate you. They don't want an argument. They want they want to fight. Um, yeah. And uh, so I, I quite often I don't. We've been criticised by some people saying you don't engage, and and that's to protect my mental health because I'm if I see a nice comment, fine, I do that. Or, or if someone who actually wants to chat, that's fine. But if it just, you know, if it starts off with you bald-headed wanker, you kind of know. <laughs> he knows it's me then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, or, or the one we get, which I always love, I, there was, I can't remember the guy's name. It, it wasn't David Badil, but it was someone equally unpleasant. Um, and they were referring us as one-hit wonder. And I said, you're, you're, you are using misinformation to criticise us for spreading misinformation. You are now lying. Because one hit wonder is one thing we're not. So, um, so I, I mean, the minute I said you're you are now guilty of spreading misinformation, he just went quiet because he realised he just shot himself in the foot. Um, and so I do have to protect myself because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Richard deals with mental health much better than I do. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I, 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 I don't know why I don't know how to use the word. I don't, I'm, I'm a bit of a baby. I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's the right the right terminology either. Oh, ah, oh, shut up. <laughs> and. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just seem I seem a little bit vulnerable at times, with, and I don't like that. So I have to be careful. Which is why I go to the gym a lot. Yeah, yeah. The, the gym, gym is, is really cool. even if to be honest with you, sometimes I go to the gym. I do 
fuck all. You know, I'm just sitting around, moved a few weights, scratching my ass. And, but it's actually, it's some, sometimes it, it's the, it's the, it's going there. It's making the effort. It's keeping that routine going. And I'm going to go to that. I'm going to go and do some back today because I enjoy doing back. And uh, it uh, an hour in the gym. I don't do much more than an hour because I'm getting old now. I can't really do much more now. Um, but I do about an hour and I will definitely feel better for it. There's no question about it. And it's and that is it's a very powerful thing. Um, yes, yes. Did um, our, in, did, our internet? Our internet? Yeah. Our, our router crashed. Yeah. Ah, never mind. It's all right. Never mind. It's good that it's not live, isn't it? We're all right. I thought you'd had enough then, and we're just like, oh, I can't be fucking asked. There we go. Just. Uh, hang on. <laughs> so, I was gonna. I was just gonna ask you. So obviously, um, you are right. I think in. Um, doing things the way you do with regards to, to, to protecting yourself with regards to your mental health. My, my yes. wife, I always refer to my wife because she's my, she's my best friend and soulmate, but um, she, I've, I'm hardened over the years through what I've been exposed to and everything else. Whereas the wife is complete polar opposite. And that's, that's why we get on so, so great. But right. With, with, with the beginning of the journey, it's very much an emotional kind of roller coaster because when you first wake up, you're like, I want to save the world. I want to tell everybody what I've seen. Uh, and then you go down a pit of despair because no one believes you or everyone thinks you're crazy. And, and then eventually the longer you're in it, 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 it levels out. But yes. I think it's good to take a step back every now and again, because it can be quite consuming. It can. Very. Um, and it's, it's very, very difficult to argue. I don't like to say argue because it, it's, this is the problem. This is the problem is when you go in for a conversation with someone who, who has a, uh, an opposing view of yours, you try and convince yes. each other that your view is the correct one. Yeah. Um, which is which is like trying to convince someone to change their favorite color. Yeah. Um, so it's it's about trying to say, look, just just put your you know opinions to the side and just try and see things from from this perspective. But if we can't get them to open their minds enough to even fathom the conversation, this is yeah. that this is where we are. This is why we're stuck. Um, and I think there's a lot of buyers regret with the jab as well. I think everybody was invested in it. They've they've done it, and now they've realised, and only they know whether they feel different after it. Oh, yeah. And there'll be a lot of people that won't be saying yes. that it's slightly different. Yes. Um, so do you any, do you know anyone personally in your circle of family and friends or anything else that, that's had a negative impact to it or that you've had yes. difficult, difficult conversations with regarding their choices? We've had difficult conversations. Um, they, we know people, but we know people who, um, who have had very poor um, reactions to having the jab. And we know that because they both went separate these two people in in, um, in this case they went to separate private doctors they said um, one had been coerced by her husband because he travels a lot so she she definitely has buyer's regret definitely and she's been diagnosed with lupus now um, now the doctor she said is she said I need to know do you believe this is as a, as a direct result of this vaccine. Now, this doctor said, yes, I believe it is. That's what he said. That's what he said to her. Uh, another lady um, who went to a separate private doctor, uh, she has got um, an, an autoimmune um, problem where her she gets like these weird spasms. And we, we actually, we've actually seen it. We were having lunch with her and her arm will go up. Where's, where is it? Like that. Her arm will go up. I'll, I'll do yeah. Her arm will yeah. go up. And, and, and it just floats, and she has to get the other hand and pull it down like this. And and she's got and in the site where she had the jab, it's it's a very strange grey colour. Her whole that whole skin area, um, and a couple of other a few other friends of ours are just yes, sister. Yeah, there's one of our friends who um, has now needs regular Botox to stop the tremors. 
um, and a couple of other friends are just very poorly. They often will mention, "Oh, I've got this weird lump," or "I can't shake this this uh, I can't, can't shake this cold," or they, you know, you everyone's know, tired, yeah. aren't they? Everyone's tired all the time at the moment as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we, we um. We speak to lots of different doctors because, for some reason, we've now been sort of not dragged, but we've got we found ourselves in this other space that we never knew we we're going to be in. And so, you speak to doctors and epidemiologists and cardiologists, and those who aren't um, part of the mainstream rhetoric have a very different story to tell. Um, and 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 I find that interesting. It doesn't make them right. I'm not saying they're all right and everyone in the mainstream is wrong. I'm just saying there is there are these there are these two conversations to have, and one of them is being um, cancelled out by the mainstream. And I, I think that's a very dangerous um, um, piece of censorship. Look, I think um, I, I watched Mark Stein on um, Jimmy Neal. <laughs> I, like I really like him, so he makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's right. He just said, what, what's required, which we haven't had for over two years now, is an open, an, an open and honest debate. Yeah. And yeah. I, right at the beginning of this, what struck me as odd was that... Um, Fundamental realities like looking after your health, like you know, cutting down on your smoking if you're a smoker or stopping if you can, cutting down on your drinking or stopping if you can, getting a bit of exercise, getting some good sleep, trying to eat properly. All this basic stuff, which actually the state's been rattling on about for years and years and years in an effort to try and reduce obesity, suddenly it stops. It all stops and the cure to everything is this experimental vaccine. And I just remember thinking, this is ridiculous. They're missing an open goal here, Starmer, I've said this before, if he was a striker, footballer, he'd be facing the wrong way for the whole match. <laughs> yes, he would. He's kind of politician he is. He's totally mm. unable to spot. He hasn't, doesn't have a nose for it. And um, that's because he doesn't want to. And maybe because he doesn't want to. Now, David David stood up in the house, um, probably at the beginning, right at the beginning of this, and was talking and asked Boris Johnson about vitamin D. Is there any uh, research going into vitamin D? And Boris Johnson said, we're looking into it. And that was the last thing we heard. Mm. So that, for me, was was extraordinarily weird. Also, but, sorry, but the very thing that they've been talking about for years and years and years now, which is, you know, reducing smoking, reducing drinking, reducing weight, all this stuff, none of it was mentioned as a way of helping to keep people healthy. I don't get it. I mean, just, you know, we've been involved in the health industry for quite a while, uh, health, health of you know, well-being, your fitness. Um, since the mid-'80s, yeah, we, were, we worked in gyms and we... I was a personal trainer and we, we try to take care of ourselves to a degree as best we can, although we do like a glass of wine, I have to admit. And cheese. And cheese. <laughs> but cheese. Uh, overall, we are pretty good you know, yeah. in terms of diets and stuff. And then, then I find myself watching Steve Nolan or Mick Ferrari or Piers Morgan or Sheila Doherty, these, these obese people talking about health. Yeah, I know, right? It's <laughs> laughable situation where Mick, you know, Nick Ferrari can't even control what goes into his body, and he's telling us what how to control what goes into ours. I mean, the man is such an idiot. They had a, you know, sorry, sorry, but must, before I forget that, on Mark Stein is recently he he found a picture of Bill Gates walking along with these massive man. Yeah, yes, right? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yes. And uh, Mark Stein says one of the early signs of monkeypox. He's <laughs> too huge. <laughs> so they start looking off quite perky, but then they drop about seven yeah. and they don't look so attractive. But, but it, it is, as Fred said, it yes, is extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, if you went for a driving le a driving lesson and the bloke turned up with a white stick and a dog, you'd think, I might not want to get in this car. Yeah. And, that's the, <laughs> and that that's the same thing with Nick Ferrari. Oh, no teeth. Yeah, I mean, you know. do you know what I mean? It's just, you know, 
I, 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 I just think when I watch these people, I, I, I'm wondering if I'm, I'm, I'm the only one not so, who can see who can see the ludicrous nature of it. You're know, these these bloated. I mean, also look look at the damage obesity does to the healthcare industry. The, the the strain it puts on families, um, it puts on the, you know the, uh, the the heart conditions and kidneys and knees and joints, and then also uh, down the line uh, healthcare. And these people are apparently suddenly concerned about our healthcare when they can't even cope with their own. It's just laughable. You're talking to a guy yesterday, his daughter, um, his daughter, I think she's, she, they need to see a GP on behalf of the, their daughter, for a reason which I can't remember. But they were promised a, um, a, a video call in three months. What's, GP. What's GP. Yeah. Now, when I was a kid, and I'm not saying everything was perfect back then, because obviously it wasn't. But when I was a kid, we had two doctors, Dr. Lodge and Dr. Briggs. We could go in and see them pretty, the NHS, they weren't private. NHS, we could go and see them pretty much any time. And this nonsense about if you want to make an appointment, phone at 8.30 in the morning. Um, somebody, a guy on Twitter, said that he had his, his doctor's car, in his, he's a garage mechanic, and his doctor's car was in there uh, being looked at. And the doctor phoned up one day and said, can you tell me how you're getting on with my car? And the guy said, yeah, can you phone back at 8.30? whole thing, the whole thing, in the town I live in, there is no police station. No. No. I think I, I, I can agree with you there. So I, my, my job at the moment, for the time being, uh, is, is I do home visits for, for GPs in my area. So, okay. so the patients will phone up, they'll do a triage, and, and then I'll go out and visit the patient, assess them, decide what treatment they need, and then do it if I can or liaise with the doctor. Okay. One thing, one thing I've noticed is the um, is people having to wait longer for appointments. Obviously, so when I get there, they've been waiting three weeks or to see anybody, um, and the lack of people wanting to go into hospital and the people that don't normally phone for help are now realizing that there isn't any help there as well. Right. So I think we're we're rapidly approaching that point now where whatever it is they're trying to do. Um, is going to be starting to spill out into, into every way of life, every walk of life. Yes. And I think this whole sort of system or narrative that we're being forced to digest, unless something actually happens in your back garden, it's very easy to still go along and, and go about your day as if nothing is happening. But but yeah. now people are potentially starting to experience some sort of side effects or activations of, of things that they wouldn't normally. They're not able to get the care either. No. So I've been to patients that have been sitting on gangrenous toes that are black and because you didn't want to go to hospital. And I've been sitting there with patients that have waited three weeks for a just a doctor to call them back. Mental. So I don't know whether that's because more people are being sick or, or right. doctors are not going out and do the, doing the visits we are to enable them to stay in practice to do more triage and more call to get for more patients. So I don't know whether more people are getting sick or more people are sitting on stuff for longer. So when they do ask for help, they're more sick, if, if you know what yeah. I mean. So, yeah, 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 I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think uh, there is a, a school of thought which says that the the, the, the health service, National Health Service um, and the, the GP service is, is being run, intentionally run down um, to the point where they can then say, we know it's rubbish. What we've done is we've talked to, you know, Google or we've talked to whatever, and we're, we're going to bring in millions of pounds, private money, and we're going to have to privatise the whole the whole bloody lot. I'm wondering whether what they're doing is running it down with intention. Um, there was some affection for the NHS when David Cameron was the uh, was the Tory leader, and Prime Minister, because his son, um, his son was uh, had NHS treatment. I'm not sure what was wrong with his son. He was 
I'm not sure what the condition he had. I can't remember now. But I know that David Cameron was very in, intent on praising the NHS and the, and, the, and the care that his son got. I don't think that's... The, I don't get that feeling from this administration. Mm. Um, and um, and I think... But it's, it's, it's symptomatic of a general level of decay, I think, in all major institutions in this country. I don't think the NHS is alone. I think it's happening in policing. It's happening in social yeah. services. It's happening yeah. in social care. It's happening in everything. And... Um, we, 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 people say that we you know that a population gets the newspapers it deserves. Well, maybe we get the politicians, the politicians we deserve. We don't yeah. demand enough from them. No, and I think the, the government have done a very good job in almost absolving themselves of any blame. So, we as a population have just accepted the fact oh, it's the Tories, they always do corrupt stuff. And you want to say, yeah, but that's not okay, guys. That's not okay. We need to do something about it. But we've been, it's like being in an abusive relationship. We've been beaten up that much. We just accept it now as, as, as normal daily occurrences. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we need to start giving people the power and the knowledge to, 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 for them to go back to their government and say, well, you are supposed to serve us. We voted you in to do this theme, these things for us. And you're yes. not doing it. Um, yes. You know, 200 years ago, they would have been dragged out the house of the parliament, strung up and quartered and set on fire. Uh, <laughs> they weren't doing what we wanted them to do. So, yeah. yeah, well, I, I said it before. <clears throat> so, again, I still think <clears throat> this could end up on the streets. I think they have waged war on us. It's a spiritual war. And if you look at high streets, if you look at local communities, care homes, Richard helps out in the local care home. And obviously, you've got great knowledge with that. Uh, they, are, um, they have been under attack. They've been poorly served. You're now saying that there's 60,000 carers that that, uh, that that are needed. I mean, this I don't think this happens just by chance. I this happens through mismanagement, and is then it's us to decide is that mismanagement intentional? Well, you'd have to say looking at what's going on in Davos and how you know they talking about food shortages. There's no food shortages over there. No. <laughs> you know, they, they're all they're all going to be great, and uh, there's no tracking for them. It's all us. We're under attack, not them. Well, I remember many years ago, they, I think they had a, they, um, it wasn't a WF, it might have been a, w, um, a United Nations meet or something in South America, in a country of South America. And on the route from the airport to the hotel where all the dignitaries were staying, they had put boards up, massive boards, so you couldn't see the shantytown behind the thing. So as, as far as you were concerned, as a dignitary, everything was fine. Um, so I, th I think we, we, it's hard for people to, to appreciate, I think, yeah, with sheer mendacity at the heart of so many institutions these days, and we think that everything's getting better because the Met are being instructed on anti-race behaviour, and we think that things are getting better because we're more trans tolerant or whatever it is. But actually, I think there's a there's a war, a, a kind of cultural war going on, to the point where we are encouraged to doubt absolutely everything. Mm. You know, the, the the last and final command was. Doubt the very thing you see before you. That's right. Yeah, that's that's animal, animal farms. It, animal farming. It's, it's so true. Um, when nothing is real, anything is possible. Yeah, I think that's where we've. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it, true. It's, yeah, I, I do think that, and I think it, it, with the, with the way how quickly the narrative has changed. First, it was Rona, then it was Ukraine, and now we're on monkeypox. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, those of you that have been reading enough know that they're rapidly reaching the end of their playbook things that they can throw at us. Yes, they are. I, yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't get the sense that they're very confident, personally. I don't... No. Uh, I, I, I think there's they there's a lot of hot air and bluff going on, uh, and I don't think they're nearly as certain of their goals being achieved as they lead us to believe. I no. Think, I, yeah. What, so what? what's your... What's your overall kind of... 
are you prepared to, to go any further than what you've been doing with activist wise if things get get worse? I mean, I know so it's going to take to the streets. Now, I think it's going to result in that as well. Now, whether they want it to result in that for for, for implementing martial law, or, you know, yeah. Yeah. a little bit heavy handed with us. Yeah, um, I mean, our position is that we just won't be bullied. It's it, uh, yeah, we won't be cursed or bullied. And whatever shape that takes, then then we have to stand by what we what we think. Um, and I. Yeah, we've spoke about this before. You know, we um, we actually we actually had a we 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 know a couple of people in uh, in the police force who are quite high up, and we actually got a, a message. We actually got a message last year saying you need, you guys need to dial it down. You're very much in the crosshairs. Um, and now, Can you imagine? I don't know how true that is. I mean, whether he's just being a mate and just looking after us, I don't know. Um, but I think all, all, I, I don't see us changing our position. I just think we'll we won't comply. And we demand that they work for us and we don't work for them. They are our representatives. They need to reflect what people um, what people want. Yeah, I think we forget that we are. They're, they've forgotten their role in this. Yeah, I think so. I think, and yeah. and I, I really think, what's that Mike Tyson quote? It's funny how uh, someone could ch someone's plans change after smack in the face. <laughs> you know? yeah, and he also says the internet, give a, the internet stop people getting smacked in the face when they say things bad about you or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not advocating yeah, people. Yeah, sometimes the old way for the best, aren't they? Um, yeah, exactly. I'm not advocating so People go around stuff politicians, but uh, but people have to be have to be. Every action gets a reaction, and look, you know, if it's, if, if a politician does get does get um, um, cornered or or, or or assaulted, then you'd have to look at the well, what's driven someone to that? Mm. Yeah, and, and I, I don't want that to happen. Hopefully, we can. This can all be dealt with in a much more civil matter. But you you'd have to say people are losing livelihoods, jobs, loved ones. There's a tipping point. It just will be. Yeah, I th yeah. I think I, I think that people need to. Um, we need to be remember what kind of country this is. What what I mean, I go on and on about that. But the, the democratic accountability, the right to dissent, the the right to liberty, privacy, freedom of choice, all that stuff is stuff that's heavily under threat at, at the moment. Uh, in, and in some countries, even more so, Canada, Australia, uh, New Zealand. These things are, I don't think you can even leave Canada at the moment unless you've been vaccinated. I don't think you can even get on a plane and leave. So I, if that's true, that that's where we're going if we're not very careful. We have to, and it, as I said earlier, to be to, to think that it's all about the science, I think is a mistake. I really well, science do. and medicine go in tandem with each other. You, 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 you know, the science says this is what you need to do. And then the medicine goes, yeah, okay, but it's not that easy to do that within a human being, you know, or, yes. or as a general... Um, uh, demographic or whatever like that so science has always been an issue because science will go we need to do this and medicine goes yeah that's great but trying to do it in this is yeah, hard exactly you can't, you can't follow one over the other they have to kind of go in tandem but yeah i've got a lot of friends recently who've been saying that you know they hate they hate the country and i heard someone say something the other day saying you don't hate the country you hate the people running the country yes that's true uh, and we need to be we need to remember that britain is a fantastic place and i've done a lot of traveling um, and Britain is a fantastic place. We can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want within reason compared to some other countries. Yes. Um, and we, we're spoiled. We don't realise how lucky we are until they start taking things away from us. Yes. Um, and then you say, oh, it's the government's fault. And then you want to turn around and say, well, no, it's it's kind of your fault for allowing the government to do that as well. Yeah, um, but we're very good at trying to associate blame to other people rather than saying, well, actually, maybe I should have done more or, or whatever. So I, I think what you're saying we're getting to a tipping point. Um, well, Maybe you can appreciate this as well. Have you been astounded by the lack 
of open conversation between people on the other side of the fence. They just categorically do not believe that the, the government are doing what they're doing for nefarious purposes, right? Um, yeah, I'd be surprised that people don't want to question it. I'd be surprised mm. that, that, you know, uh, there's a good friend of ours who we discussed this with, and, and I said to him, though they, they, these people in government don't care about us. And he looked at me like I was insane. And he said, what do you mean? I said, they don't care about us. They, 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 they don't care about your world. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. No. We could pop off this planet tomorrow. They wouldn't give it a second thought. And there are millions like us. They, they, they have a, a, a contempt for us. And I think the fact that we have been referred to as livestock in the herd, Kissinger is on record as saying useless it. Eaters. Useless eaters. You know, these, these, these terms have been used in the public forum. I, I think you have to read a lot into that. These people do not live... They live in a, in, a, in a rarefied atmosphere, a very privileged atmosphere, and uh, and they don't they don't experience what regular people experience, and 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 they don't wish to, they don't care. No, I think I, think I, I really do believe that. Yeah, I think I think it's absolutely true, and I think I mean if anybody is who's watching this is 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 curious about what's been going on, it doesn't take more than a couple of clips of Klaus Schwab to make it perfectly clear what's going on. Yeah, the guy is a maniac, and he's a loon, and he's but he's he's got bucket loads of money and he dresses up like somebody in Star Trek. He literally is Doctor Evil. He is literally do if he it was doing yeah, Mark Stein oh, said the other day, he said the only thing that's missing is the and the cake. Well, I had a conversation uh, a while ago. So when I was when I was in the forties, I served in Kosovo, um, and we went into the town to do some bits and pieces to try and rehabilitate the area that were just completely destroyed with bombs and everything else. And I remember talking to um, a lot of the, some of the, the, the civilians there, um, and they said the problem with the West, and when they refer to the West, they mean the the, the, the kind of England, Germany, France side of Europe yes. and, and America. People don't realise that there are certain parts of Europe that are still not as uh, socially uh, developed as, as what we are. But what they said was the certain countries in the West are spoiled because they they go along in their daily lives not knowing that their government actually physically doesn't like them. Yeah. Other countries like the CCP and places like Serbia, where there's been coups and, and there's been lots of in, 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 you know civilian unrest, um, where it's blatantly obvious that the government at the time doesn't like either all of them or a certain part of their uh, sort of community. We, we don't know what that's like. So when you do drop things like that, it instills so much fear in them. But then you, if you just speak to someone who currently resides in Hong Kong, they're like, well, we, we've been fighting against the government for decades, you know, since since yes. we got power back and everything else. So they're used to the government hating them. Yes. So that's where they've they've been able to, I think, have a little bit of an advantage because we're yes we're not gullible but more naive. As in, like, oh, I don't think they're going to be doing that, and they're not going to be that evil. And no, I think it's true. I think yeah. it's true. Yeah. I think I think the um, one of the things that's interesting on on the Twitter, people post pictures of uh, some of the old soldiers that were on uh, Dunkirk and all this kind of stuff, and our fathers in the Second World War and all that kind of stuff. And people, an old generation, were used to the fact. And, and, and had fully absorbed the fact that sometimes you have to fight for the things that you believe in. They're not just given. I think we've grown, <coughs> chest, sorry. We've grown into a, um, younger people, certainly. And I'm, I would have to say, I mean, I've never been fought in a war or anything. So I, I, I would have to say this is probably, may, may well be true of me, which is the rights that I have have been earned by people and hard work. Plus water, sorry. By people many, many, yeah. years, many years before. So I, can't, I think. We're not used. We, we think these things are are written in stone, are God given. They need fighting for, 
And we're in a situation now, I, I really believe, where, the, where some fundamental principles um, need fighting for. And COVID-19 and now monkeypox and all this nonsense has thrown a light on the need to do that. Yeah. It's made us understand, I hope, the importance of saying, of, of not only of thinking for yourself and using your own God-given intellect, but also thinking rationally about things and not necessarily deferring to the government in all things. Um, yeah. When you see little bits of, you know, foot, pictures of feet at the ATM, the assumption is by somebody in authority that we don't know how to stand at an ATM. Mm. That's what it is. Extraordinary. You know, it's extraordinary. Yeah. And we would, I was talking to a furniture guy, a guy who runs a furniture shop locally, and they had all the arrows and the, and the don't stand here and stand there nonsense. And when all the thing died down, he took all those markings up, right? So he, he was in his shop and there was a lady, she came in, she just stood there. Right? She just walked into the shop and just stood there. And he went up and he said, uh, can I help you? And she said, well, yes, I, but I don't quite know where to walk. They have succeeded in doing what, what they set out to do, which is just basically making us not, not question anything, just do stuff that we're told. A herd, essentially. They've just... It is, yeah. It is. They, with enough fear and manipulation... Yeah. They can get the majority of people to do anything. And when those people see how people like yourselves uh, who speak out get chastised and, and defensive and, and, and um, have hit pieces against them and everything else, that makes them even more afraid than to question anything. Yes, it does. Um, yes, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's why people like us are made an example of because it wants to show other people that if you do what they do, you're going to have a miserable time. Yeah. You know. yeah. Are we going to have to wrap up in a minute, mate? Yeah, no, no, that's fine. No, no, I've, I've, I've kept you long enough, so I do appreciate it. Um, Anything else you want to throw in there before we shoot off? No, I would, as a, as a, as a simple phrase, I would, t I would encourage everybody to walk against the arrows. Exactly. Just walk against the arrows in your head yes. all the time. That's it. Yeah. Follow your gut. Uh, yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Well, thank you so much, boys. I really appreciate your time with me today. All right, I will see you on Twitter on the battleground, uh, and no doubt, hopefully, our paths will intertwine again soon. All right, and I yeah. thank you for today. Look after yourself. All yeah, right. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.